It's episode 100 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Hogg, and this week's guest is Stuart Moses! I'm so thrilled and honoured to be interviewing you, Stuart, because uh, you're a bit of a legend on the UK improv podcast scene. Uh, I should just tell our listeners that Stuart is absolutely cringing at this moment. He's having a, a bit of a breakdown. Yeah, once again, failing to recognise this is an audio format and doing all my cringing in a visual manner. That's fine. Uh, we'll just flag it up as we go. <laughs> um, we also have Parenthetical and One Seventh of Duck Duck Goose, Brendan Way. Yay! Um, so this is an auspicious occasion, recording of the 100th Improv London podcast. Um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. <laughs> going to need a bit more, Stuart. We are going to need a bit more than that. I... <laughs> I, I recognise that this is difficult for you, and having been in the hot seat myself and g created the most problems for you by being the, one of the most neurotic guests you've ever had, I would... Among the most I, neurotic. I, well, a strong contender for the <laughs> most. Um, I can see why it's, it's, it's hard to be sitting in the hot seat as you are right now. Well... Um, my plan very much when I'm recording this uh, podcast is to say as little as possible. <laughs> However, I feel that this route may not be the most successful for today's episode. <laughs> um, this is very much the least painful of all the options that Vic gave me to celebrate the 100th episode. <laughs> well, Brendan is holding an object work stick and he will be beating you with it if you only give one word answers, just to let you know that. <laughs> um, so... Let's 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 begin. Let's. Um, oh, actually, before we begin, I do just want to let you know that we do have um, some emergency questions <laughs> in the style of Richard Herring and his fabulous podcast. We have emergency questions. Thanks to all your fans who have written to us uh, on Facebook. We sent out a little request, and we've had dozens of questions to ask you sent back. Wow. Um, they come in three categories. Uh, the podcast, obviously, general improvisation stuff, and and some wild cards. Right. Okay. So um, every so often, I'm going to be inviting you to choose an emergency question. Wow. Okay. I'm uh, terrified. And you may also, if you wish, uh, ask for one at any moment. Right. Okay. <laughs> Great. So um, if you wouldn't mind, just tell us uh, from the off, what started you on your improv journey? So, for many years I played tabletop role-playing games, uh, principally Call of Cthulhu, and very much enjoyed the storytelling aspect of it. You can play role-playing games in lots of different ways. Some people are very much more wargamey, some people are very much more narrative. I was always much more narrative. And uh, my friend Peter Tai uh, was always fantastic at creating... Uh, detail in the moment. In fact, if I didn't like him so much, I would kind of really hate him because he was just so. You know. And I thought maybe I can learn to get better at this because I'm a big fan of. You know, I'm never going to be Olympic standard anything, but I believe that if you try and you practice things, that you know you can improve and you can get better. So I was working with Emily Murphy at the time, 
and I knew she improvised and so uh, I found out about Hoopla from her and I went along to my first Hoopla beginners course. Exciting. What a moment. (laughs) Um, Tell us a bit about that. Who was your teacher at the time? So it was um, Edgar, Fernando and Maria Peters and I remember hiding in the rag factory toilet. <laughs> uh, and anyone that's been to the rag factory, and indeed the rag factory toilet, will know that is not a nice place to hide. It is one of the most gruesome places in London, and you really do feel like you could catch almost anything. Yes. Medieval onwards um, in that I, toilet. I was absolutely terrified about my first uh, improv class, and the fact that it was in this strange, let's call it strange place, uh, added to my fear... Um, but having got there, um, I felt that I should uh, attend and um, I loved it from the start. And I proceeded to do the beginner's course three times. <laughs> um, okay. With, uh, with just Edgar and then with Steve Rowe for the third one. The reason being that I absolutely loved it. I was having an amazing time, but I was absolutely terrified about performance. So I thought, well, I'm having a great time doing the beginner's course. Let's do that three times. Okay, that's lovely, because at that stage was there the uh, the secondary course, which was the performance yeah. course. So you your 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 natural uh, journey would have been to go on to the yeah. performance course next, but yeah, the, yeah. you just couldn't bear the thought of actually getting on stage. No, Is that that's very much the case? Okay, okay, great. And when and when was that? Kind of roughly which year or? It was about four or five years ago. Okay, fantastic, and. Uh, Tell us what you've done since then. What was the next stage after that beginner's moment? So, uh, with the beginner's course, the, what I was learning was, first of all, how to uh, express the things that were in my head to sort of get past the filters. And then the next stage was to start filtering again, because my scene partner didn't need to know every single idea in my head that I had. Um, and I signed up for the Hoopla performance course, mm. but I failed to actually do the performance because two weeks beforehand, I managed to fall down a spiral staircase mm. at work and really hurt my foot. I say really hurt, it wasn't broken or anything, but it was to the extent that I couldn't walk on it. Yeah. Now, there's part of me that thinks, was that my unconscious trying to protect me? <laughs> Did my unconscious... Hurl you down a set of stairs. Hurl me down the set of stairs. Wow. Or was it merely that I was looking at my phone when I went down a spiral staircase? <laughs> you may be the judge of that. So, I um, I think now, if I'd done that, I would go along and watch the show. But I didn't feel I could go along and watch the show and not be part of it. But um, apparently the show went very well. Mm. And um, a group of people uh, were intending to carry on. Uh, Kit Proudfoot in particular mm-hmm. uh, mentioned that uh, the show maybe been lacking my energy, which was a really lovely thing for him to say. Absolutely. So uh, during that show, they had performed a uh, Saturday morning television program, and that format was continued, and uh, the Saturday mornings were formed, uh, which was a short form group uh, performing some games that. I don't know if they invented before I got there, but I haven't seen anywhere else. Okay, amazing. Like, what, can you describe them? Yeah, or? so, well, the whole concept was, yeah, we were Saturday morning TV programmes, so mm-hmm. we'd all run on, we'd be all really keen, <clears throat> and uh, we would play New Choice, but we would call it Remix, because mm. we'd all be, like, cool and 
one of my favourite moments was running on going, hey, yeah, hey, kids, we're all really cool. We all love the pop music. We all love S Club 7. and um, We love the pop music. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my, one of my favourite moments uh, in my improv career uh, was I went, oh, we love Cleopatra. And then a small portion of the audience, <laughs> possibly, possibly only one or two people. Brendan enjoying that somewhat obscure reference at that moment. One or two people went, come and at you. Um, and I just thought, well, my work here is done. I don't need to do any more of that. Uh, so it was essentially a new choice. We'd retell a, um, a, a fairy tale and all that. But instead of going new choice, we'd go, remix. Uh, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, we also played uh, Pulp Fiction for Kids. Okay. Which was... Isn't it really unfair that you kids don't get to see adult films? You know, those films that are 15 and above. Uh, why don't you tell us a film that you haven't been allowed to see and we'll reenact it for you so you can, you know, enjoy it. Uh, one of my favourite ones is we did Hostel, uh, which was just about <laughs> a couple of people booking into a hotel room, have a lovely night, stay a bit of breakfast and then going on with their journey. <laughs> Excellent. So I don't know if you need the framing uh, conceit of it being a children's TV program to make that game work, but that was just that was just a lovely game to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we also did goodies and baddies. Is that a thing that you've played? I've never played that. So you get one really good person from the audience, uh, a suggestion from the audience, one really good person, one really bad person. Obviously, this is before the 45th president, so we didn't you know, have that particular problem at that point. So everyone was saying Hitler. Well, we did get a few Hitlers, but I know at one point I got to play David Bowie as the uh, as the good person. Cool. And I think, I can't remember who the, the bad person was, but you play a scene where you try and find some sort of common ground between the two. So that was, uh, that was a really lovely game. So I'd like to see that played more often. Absolutely. I, can re I remember your team playing at Duck Duck Goose. Oh, yes. And you all wore block colour, bright block colour t-shirts. Yes. All right? And yeah, it was really good fun. It was yes. really fun. You were clearly having a ball. Uh, I was absolutely petrified. <laughs> um, that was my first ever performance with them because I'd fallen wow. down the uh, <clears throat> spiral staircase and missed the showcase. Um, my performance at Dark Dark Goose was my first performance on stage. So my main memory of it was standing at the back going, Aah! but anyway, <laughs> I've slightly improved since then. Well, you've, see, you wish to disagree. I know. I absolutely don't disagree. I think you're a fantastic player, and I think you're 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 very self-effacing. Uh, and actually, that's that's reminded me of of one of the emergency questions. Can we throw you an emergency question? Yes, this emergency do. question is from uh, Stephen Davidson, uh, who was in episode two, um, all that time ago. And he says, I love that Stuart is completely happy and at home in a beginner class, despite being really experienced and great at improv. Of course. What is the appeal, he asks you, and how can you best support beginners when you're in a scene with them? Um, yes. Well, thank you very much, Stephen. Um, thank you for recognising that. Uh, I am self-effacing, but that's just because I'm British, goddammit. Um, you love playing with beginners. Um, I love playing with more experienced people as well, but I like the fact that they don't know the rules and mm. the fact that anything can happen. And sometimes it's amazing, sometimes it's terrible, but more often <laughs> I find it's amazing because they, they're not, you know, hemmed in by rules and they can just surprise you. Um, 
and I quite enjoy being in a supporting role where I'm just justifying, I'm just kind of, I'm not normalising what they're doing, but I'm making sense of it. And, you know, I love playing that supporting role. So that's why mm. I like playing with beginners. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I guess, um, yeah, there's something really nice about playing the anchor man like that, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, should we ask you another emergency question? Yes, please. Okay, would you like podcast or would you like the wild card? I would like podcast, please. Okay, great. Um, I can't believe you've actually got people to write new questions. This is amazing. Oh, yeah, well, I mean... Lots and lots and lots That's really of people lovely. wrote to you. Um, uh, Jacqueline Black wrote to ask you, in an ideal world, who would you like to interview, living or dead? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I have my thinking face on. Yes, you do. You, I would have to say Dale Close, because I think he would be very interesting. And Dale Close, of course, is one of the founders of modern improv over in the States, who invented, with China Halpern, the Herald. That is correct. Good, good, um, yes. Just filling in for our listeners. Good, 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 good information there. Um, the... I suppose I'm going to answer this by talking about the way in which I choose my guests in that I don't really have a plan. Mm. It's fairly random based on who I've seen perform and I've thought was interesting the work they were doing or who I've met in a workshop. Mm. So I don't have any great plan as to who I'm going to interview. It wasn't I sat down and wrote down a hundred names and then I've worked through the list. <laughs> In the order. It's just whoever inspires you that that week or that month. Yeah, yeah. And so what do you do? Say you've seen someone on stage and you think, oh my God, I love every move they made. Mm. I've never met them before. How would you, how how do you, Um, how do you tee that up? Yeah, if I, I would write them an email or I'd send them a Facebook uh, friend invite. If you don't know who they are, do you ever collar them straight after a show? No. <laughs> oh, Why God, not? No, oh, they've just done a show. Also, I don't like to ask people face to face in case they don't <laughs> want to do it. Because it would put them in a position, or yeah. it would put you in a position. Because I don't want them to be awkward. I don't want them to have to say yes, they'd like to do it, and then spend time having to work out how not to do it. Yes, yes, yes. So I would always try and do it at one remove, um, because you know, and it's fine if they if they'd like to come on, that's brilliant. If they don't want to come on, I'm not offended at all. Mm. Um, but I'm not very good at going up to people after they've done a show. I definitely don't go up to people before they're on a show because I just feel that they need to prepare and everything. Also, a certain amount of social awkwardness comes into play here. <laughs> but you're one of the nicest people well, in you. improv. So, um, yeah, why would people ever not be happy to sit down and chat with you for... Well, five minutes. Now you've now you've pointed that out. I, I see the error of my way. <laughs> so do you have it? Do you have a kind of a white whale? Someone that you you feel like you've been trying to land? Because Delcos is great, but unfortunately, <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> he's quite dead now. So. Um, 
there's always a balance. There's a balance between pursuing somebody. I think this is applicable to other things as well as getting guests on the podcast. Um, pursuing them enough so that you can make it happen without hounding them. So I will ask two or three times if people have responded in a positive, they're an interested way, mm. I will ask maybe two or three times to get them on. But if they've not been interested or not really responded from the start, I just, you know, accept that and move on. Great. Sometimes people offer to be on the podcast and that's really nice because I know they want to be on the podcast. <laughs> but do you want them on the podcast? Well... <laughs> Yes, have you ever interviewed someone that you think, actually, I have no idea who you are, but you've just asked me, so yes. No, no, I haven't. Um, I think everyone has a story to tell, whether they're a very experienced player or they're a complete beginner. And I think everyone everyone has got an interesting story. Um, I've found everybody that I've spoken to interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, if you're interested in improv, you've probably got a story to tell. Absolutely, absolutely. Um my friend down here, what made you set it in London? <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose what I'm asking is, uh, if you could set it in any other city, what, where would that be? Wow. Um, you know that thing where people say, that's a really good question. They don't necessarily mean it's a very good question. <laughs> what they mean is, that's a really difficult question. And I'm going to buy myself time. <laughs> there is no greater city on earth than London to in which to have a podcast about improv. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said it. There are, there are other great cities as well, but London's the one I know. <laughs> um, fantastic. So we've had your beginner uh, uh, trilogy or trifecta, or however you want to put it, and and then you moved on to be in the Saturday mornings. Yes. Um, and then what happened next? Where are we at now? with Stuart's improv journey? Um, I can't really remember. Um, I'll cut that bit out. Do you want us to tell you some <laughs> some teams that you're in? Would yeah. that be helpful? Yeah, give me some clues. <laughs> I did um, warn you before we started that I would not be able to remember anything. Uh, I guess that's the verbs. Oh yes, the verbs. The verbs. Yes. Tell us about the verbs. Uh, the verbs. The verbs are the nursery's house team. Uh, they are a lovely bunch of people and uh, increasingly as time goes on they've become an even more lovely bunch of people. Um, I have left the verbs twice. <laughs> um, Why? Um, I felt that the first time I left I wasn't a good fit for the group. Mm. So there were some people who uh, I think are amazing and love deeply and there were some people who I felt were coming from what I call a more stand-up point of view. Mm. So, so less... a bit more gaggy, yeah. a bit more fast-paced or, or sort of... Yeah, uh, the, to the extent that if I was going to express emotional vulnerability on stage, which is pretty much what I do, um, I would be sold out for a cheap laugh, so ah. I didn't feel comfortable. Fair enough, yes. Um, so that's the reason I left the first time. Mm -hmm. um, the second time... I I want more control. Ah. I want more control and I want more stage time. And recently I've been getting more interested in doing duos, um, which gives me both control and more stage time. 
I'm a horrible person. <laughs> no, you're not. You're a lovely person. But I do think that one gets to a certain point in one's improv journey where you do, you do, you do want a little bit more m- meat on the bone, and you want to go deeper. Mm, I yeah. think. And so, yes, the way to do that is to um, spend more concentrated time um, and maybe have slightly longer sets and stuff. And I think that mm. two-prop is a really good way of doing that. Yes. So, um, we have an emergency question. <laughs> Brendan has kindly just pointed one out to me. Um, this is from a friend of mine, Sarah Heenan. Do you know Sarah? Sarah? Yes, I do know Sarah. Fantastic. Yes. We have a mutual Facebook friend. This is great. Um, and <laughs> she Sarah. asks you... Uh, which member of Duran Duran would you most like to two-prov with? Simon the Bon. <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> My favourite member of Simon. But specifically, Simon the Bon between 1978 and 1984. <laughs> so, early poetic Simon. Uh, Sarah and I... <laughs> oh, Sarah, let's do this one day because it would be hilarious for us, if not for everybody else. Once, <laughs> when we were both in the verbs, uh, discussed the fact that we would like to do Duran Prov, uh, but not just about Duran Duran in general, about Duran Duran in 1978, before Duran Duran actually formed. <laughs> and my focus would be the time that Simon Le Bon spent on a kibbutz in 1978. Um, <laughs> Uh, I would watch that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I, feel, I like to feel that even if you didn't know the deep cuts, I think it would still be kind of amazing. But if you did know it, it would be fantastic. It's a very niche audience, but sometimes I think it's really good to just go down to that niche. Absolutely. Drill deep. Drill deep. Well, um, since that isn't quite possible, um, <laughs> could you could you tell us about your, your second choice of duo's partner, Bryn Salisbury? Could uh, you... Could you, um, could you Talk to us a little bit about Dr. Tuprov and tell us how that started. And... I would be more than happy to do so. <laughs> um, so I met Bryn uh, when I was doing tech at the nursery, um, but I really got to know him when we did um, the Hoopla musicals course, uh, which was taught by Maria Peters and Phil Lum. Um, and we did a particular exercise where we would take a character from the audience and we'd find out a bit about them um, and then we would sing... Uh, I think it was three songs from their lives and Bryn was our volunteer um, and I um, I do think sometimes I'm a horrible person I basically <laughs> I, I grabbed the Bryn role because I knew it would be central in this yeah and Bryn uh, told us about how uh, he was a big Star Trek fan uh, and you know it's all about him you know uh, moving away from Wales and all this sort of stuff uh, so I sang a song um, that you can't. I can't always remember songs that I've sung, but this chorus stuck with me. And once again, maybe this even tops the Cleopatra coming at you <laughs> moment, if that's if that's at all possible. Uh, so I think the chorus went something like, "I want to kiss like Kirk. I want to fight like Kirk. I want to think like Picard. I want to be Cisco hard." And then the middle eight went, but maybe Jane away can take my pain away. <laughs> and I think from that moment we were destined to have a science fiction based duo. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Very impressive. So what made you decide to be uh, Doctor Two Prov? And is it purely Doctor Who based? I think the format is is off 
that show rather than it being a wider sci-fi genre yes uh, show is that correct so yes yeah, so brilliant and i were talking uh, i think he suggested that we might do a duo group together mm-hmm. and i was very keen and i think the same night we'd also been talking about doctor who and sharing our enthusiasm of doctor who mm-hmm. so it seemed a logical extension to uh improvise in the universe of doctor who so the format doesn't and i was gonna say it doesn't have to be doctor who mm. okay so the format is based on the short-form game Scenes from a Hat, uh, in that we ask the audience for suggestions of Doctor Who adventures they would like to see performed. We don't explicitly say they shouldn't be ones that already exist. I think people have kind of picked up on that instinctively. And if anyone does suggest to do Trial of the Time Lord, I'm more than happy to do that. But we are <laughs> going to have to clear three or four hours to do that <laughs> properly. So that's both a threat and a promise. Okay. We, and then it's, so it's both scenes from a hat, but it's also the living room. So we come on as two security guards, two night watchmen called John and Dave, who work on the Doctor Who's planet Gallifrey. And in the <laughs> Matrix, we, uh, we have access. It's like a, it's a, with the Matrix, you can watch anything that happens at any point in all of history. Uh, but we take breaks and we happen to watch Doctor Who. Excellent. And Bryn started the idea that we would have some sort of discussion or something like that, so that we would have a sort of a theme that we were talking about. So we come on, we have torches and everything. Um, come on, so if we have a blackout, uh, we come on with torches. So we have a bit of a talk while we're making our way through the audience. Yes. And then um, Bryn pulls out his uh, sonic screwdriver, and then magically the lights <laughs> uh, come up. Uh, we sit down, we have a bit of a chat, and then we have an issue that we've been uh, interested in. Mm. And so then we uh, take out the suggestions. So we talk about that for a bit, and then we say, oh, well, maybe there'll be something we can learn from an episode of Doctor Who. So then we'll pull out a suggestion, um, and then we'll go over to the other side of the stage, we'll act out some of that episode, and then we'll come back to sitting down and carrying on the discussion. So I came up with the format, and I slightly designed it within an inch of its life to be foolproof. <laughs> yes. Um, because when... So first of all, I'm a big fan of getting written suggestions from the audience because I think you can communicate something a lot more sophisticated if it's written down. Also... You're not on the spot, I suppose, as, as an audience member. Yeah. yeah. And also some people aren't confident shouting things out and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge fan of getting anything written down. And the nice thing is we ask for a title, an era, um, and a location... And the thing is, every time we read out the title, we get a laugh. It's a guaranteed laugh every yeah. time we read out the title. Yeah. Um, and we have this uh, thing where uh, we'll generally say, ah, oh, um, because I play John and he plays Dave. Or is it the other way around? Uh, <laughs> at one point, we were both called Dave for a while. And that's one of the few times... Generally, we're, we're really uh, on the same page, but that was the one time I did... I think that's the only note I've ever given Bryn. It's like, can we go back to being Dave and John? Because <laughs> I think if we're both called Dave, that's an extra level of it's confusion. It's not necessary. Yeah, we're already giving a sort of... A, you know, we're having to explain the concept a little bit. If we're both called Dave, I think that's an extra thing that people are worrying about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I go, I, go to, um, I go to Dave and I say, oh, you know, this is one of your, this is one of your very favourite episodes. And then we read out the title and it's... Mm. Um, that usually gets a laugh. And the nice thing about the format is that we can go over to the other side of the stage and we can act out some of the, the episode. And if that goes well and we get big laughs, then that's fine. Uh, if it doesn't, when we go back 
to being the two night watchmen, we can then talk about the episode that we've just watched. Yes, 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 that's so fun. So it's lovely being able to then comment on the thing that you've seen. And it's a little bit meta, but it's still part of the narrative. Mm. Because we've got the two different sides of the stage, we snap back into the reality of it really quickly. And when you say a little bit meta, do you say that in that you hope it's not too meta? I.e., do you not like meta? I love meta. Okay. But I'm going to quote Jules Munns here. Yes. Meta is pepper, not chicken. (laughs) Guys, I've got to tell you that Stuart has a a notebook, an entire notebook in front of him with one thing written on it. And that that was that. So that was lucky I asked, right? Um, But so you noted, that was the one note you said that you gave to Britain um, about about not both being called the same name. Has he ever noted you? I'm interested because I'm in a two-prov as well. And um, we kind of quite, we quite freely note each other. Um, so yeah, how did how does that work? How, what's your dynamic? I think we're generally on the same page as to how a show went, and I'm really self-critical. I mean, basically everything Bryn does delights me, so that makes it a lot easier. But I'm <laughs> really analytical about what I do because I have much more control over what I do than what he does. Mm. So. A note I gave myself, so we did another show at the uh, nursery's Thursday Night Lights and I was unhappy with my performance and it actually took me a couple of days to work out what what was wrong yeah. um, and I was pretty sure it wasn't Bryn, it didn't, it turned out it wasn't Bryn. I was making jokes at the expense of the format at the start of the show and it's fine to undermine what you've established a bit later on you can do that but if you're doing that at the beginning it's kind of a defense mechanism saying oh i'm sort of distancing myself from this so this isn't any good um yes not quite committing yeah exactly so i just i noticed that it took me a few days and it popped into med i noticed that and then now i just make sure i commit because i love doing this show it's brilliant i don't know why i was doing that um so i mean maybe he has noted me and i've just forgotten (laughs) (laughs) i don't think so i think generally um, it's been going really well, um, and I think generally we can tell what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So it's only very minor. And it doesn't matter if we're both called Dave. I just thought, oh, if we just make that tiny little change, you know, it'll just remove something for the audience to be confused Yeah, about. no, of course, of course, absolutely. And it's really fun doing these tweaks, isn't it, when you're, when you're in a group yeah. that you, a team that you, uh, you want to continue with long term. Yeah. It's really nice. Um, I do like Meta. Um, and I, but I'm aware, I hadn't until Jules pulled it out, I don't want to lean on it too much. I'm really interested in interacting with the audience. That's something that very much excites me at the moment. I'm less interested in the fourth wall, with Dr. Tupov anyway, because Mm. it's not really, it's not a serious play. Um, Maybe one day it will be. It's not a serious play, so... The fact that we break the fourth wall is fine. I'm really interested in working with the audience, finding out what the audience delights, what delights the audience, and then doing more of that. Mm. Um, and I'm also conscious of the audience. If it's a improv audience, then I'm aware that there are areas that I can go to that will be very funny. Where if it was an audience of real people, uh, I wouldn't do. We had a location, uh, the the moon of Io. Yes. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. One of the, yeah. I think so. Yeah. 
But anyway, if it isn't, it, it's appropriate. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of IO and... But this, this is the whole thing, yeah. yeah. So that lended to an extended riff about IO uh, in Chicago. Um, and everyone found it hilarious because they were all improvisers. Um, but, so yeah, I, I think Jules' comment about, yeah, pepper is great, not chicken. You don't want to do it all the time. It's no. a high-tax move. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, okay, so we are going to... Um, uh, we're going to give you another wild card. Okay. Okay. What is your favourite sandwich? This is from Jules Munns himself. <sighs> what is your favourite sandwich? Once again, asking the tough questions. I mean, I noticed that when he interviewed Armando Diaz that this didn't come up on the podcast. Um, I'm not saying that I am <laughs> the UK equivalent of Armando Diaz, obviously. <laughs> That's for other people to say. I mean, if you were to say that, I wouldn't disagree. Fair enough. Do you know what? I'm going to ask you this one as well. Uh, oh, as well? Yeah, okay. because you were taking too long on that one. Um, we will never know, listeners. No, we will. We will. I presume the next question is related to it. It's another food-related question. It's really not. Okay, let me answer, uh, let me answer Jules' question. Um, I uh, Just commit. Vegetarian yes. sausage sandwich. Ooh. Pretty mm. bored with that. Delicious. I'm, you know, happy with... Mayo or ketchup? Um, I'm uh, ketchup. Ketchup man. Yeah. Okay. This is from James Witt. Uh, hello, James. I feel I should say hello to everybody. Otherwise, yes, you should. should. Hello, James. Hello to everyone who knows me. Hello, James. <laughs> Thank you, Mum and Dad. Do you remember which episode he was in? No. Number 28. Um, number 28. Sorry, James. I, not that I don't remember which episode you were in. I don't remember <laughs> what episode anyone was in, unless it's number one, which was Steve Rowe. I can remember or 100, that. which is this. Which is yeah, this one, which yeah. Which is yourself. So that's fine. Um, James asks, if you could play the Doctor in a remake of a classic story, oh! which one would you choose and why? Um, I'd want to redo the movie, the Paul McGann movie, and I would want to rewrite the plot... Um, but uh, I thought McGann was perfect in the role and I loved him and I want to explore that timeline. Um, yes, that, without hesitation. That's Paul McGann. Okay, fantastic. I know who Paul McGann is. I'm afraid I am not a Whovian. That's very much. Uh, so I can't ask you an intelligent next question. <laughs> and, uh, Brendan, is this... Your area of expertise as well? Oh no, I only watch the modern stuff. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, very much uh, the Eighth Doctor, I feel, was the template for modern Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the bridge between the old and the new. And uh, when he came back in uh, The Night of the Doctor, it was. Um, I, I could spend a lot of time talking <laughs> about Doctor Who. And um, my friend Peter, who was mentioned earlier, uh, sent me a link saying, You might want to see this uh, because and I was at work. And I started watching the webisode um, and it started and uh, Paul McGann came on um, and I had to pause the video and go and have a little bit of a cry in the toilets and then come back and watch the rest of it. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe they brought him back. Wow. Oh. I love this era of the Doctor so much. Um, perhaps because we only saw so little of it. Beautiful. Thank you, Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, well, this seems like a good moment to just um, reintroduce Brendan, um, who's here to do something specific with you. Um, we thought it might be fun to have a, a kind of a, a Moses mastermind moment. Oh, God. Um, so uh, it's going to be down to you and your edit to, tr- to, to, to put in the, the mastermind 
theme music. I'm gonna drop it in now. Bam, 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 bam. Could you? Bam, bam. <laughs> exactly. Remix. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna hand over to uh, Brendan Brendanson um, to uh, introduce the next section. Uh, hello, I'm Brendan Brennanson. This is Moses Mastermind. Uh, we've got two rounds. Uh, first up, your specialist subject, which is, of course, the London Improv Podcast. Um, the London Improv Podcast? What would that be? <laughs> That's what? Improv London Podcast. That's my fault. I typed it up incorrectly. Brendan, I'm sorry to have made Let's that Let's retake that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's staying in. That's what the main is going to be. That. It's just you making that mistakes for the entire hour. <laughs> um, I, I don't mind. It doesn't matter what you call it. As long as you call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Improv London podcast. Your specialist subject is the Improv London podcast. Uh, how much time on the clock? Uh, a minute and a half. A minute and a half. Like, on... it's, like it's the uh, semi-finals. Okay. And the final. So I've got through the first round. Yeah. I mean, you've also got general knowledge to come. Okay. But first, let's do the Improv London podcast. Uh, ready to start the timer? Okay. God. Could you... Yes. Uh, yes. I feel like I want you to just start that whole section again, just in case... He, he doesn't want it. Sure. Go. From which bit? From the bit where, uh, from from the top. Okay. Do it. Hello, this is Moses Mastermind. I'm Brendan Brendanson. Uh, we have in the chair today Stuart Moses. Uh, we have uh, general knowledge. Uh, but first, your specialist subject, the Improv London podcast. Uh, let's put a minute and a half on the clock for this round. What was Super the Director Steve Rose degree in? Engineering. Correct. For a bonus point, what result did he get? 2-2. Two, 2-1. Two. Uh, two, oh. Which of your guests sings the I Love to Improvise intro after you've introduced them? <laughs> That's Joel Hack. Correct. Who was the guest in episode 50? Uh, 50, that would be Bryn Salisbury. Correct. To the nearest 10, how many days ago did the podcast debut? Um, it was December 2015. I'm looking for a number. That requires more... Then I'm able to give you. Okay, then you passed. Uh, Katie Shoot has published a book called The Improviser's Way. What were her students of this book called? Uh, followers of the way? No. Yeah, I'll, I'll Wayfarers. Way, wayfinders. I'll wayfinders. Your first ever podcast recording, Steve Rowe's first episode, was interrupted by a noise. What was it? It was the fire alarm going Correct. off at the Delhi. What is Kit Murdoch dressed as in her thumbnail photo for her guest 89 spot? She is dressed as a surgeon. She's holding a saw. Correct. What is unique about podcast guest Piotr Murawski's improvisation shows? Uh, he's a goddamn genius and reassures me that Skynet is not going to take over. And even if they do, they're probably going to rerun things better than people would. And we don't need to worry about AI because the only problem with AI is if they pick up on humans' habits. Okay. Is that not the answer on the card? I mean, we were looking for AI improv or machine learning. Oh, yeah. uh, in episode 56, you conducted your podcast in wingback leather Chesterfields, which <laughs> you declared the most comfortable chair you sat in. Who was the guest? Charlie B. Martin. Correct. What was the nickname Steve Rowe called you and you are hoping it will catch on? Uh, oh, <laughs> I can't remember. The what? improv John Craven. Okay, uh, which area right. of New York City are Charlotte Frey and Mark Wheeler's tree and woman puppets Bark and Be from? Brooklyn. Correct. Who on your podcast said, I'm not going to be the best improv podcaster, but I'm going to... I've started, so I'll finish. Who on your podcast said, I'm not going to be the best improv podcaster, but I'm going to be the one who goes the longest? That's me. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations.
congratulations. That was hard. How did it feel? That was hard. I can't generally remember. So I, obviously I'm listening very carefully when I'm interviewing somebody and then I listen back to it afterwards. But it's very hard to remember details. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, uh, maybe we should ask him a couple of questions and then, and then come back, back to yeah, the, sure. the general... <laughs> General knowledge, if that's all right. That was two minutes. Wow. You had a proper full amount there. That's impressive. Um, okay, so uh, let's get a little bit more about your improv history. I think that you you were the creator of Night Version. Yes. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yes. Uh, so it was Slapdash 2016... One of the slapdashes, uh, the nursery invited Frank Buzz, who's an improviser and a light designer. That's probably not his correct term. Um, and I did a workshop with him, and it was it was very inspirational. So he uh, projects uh, images, shapes onto the back wall, and then uses those as inspiration for improvisation. So I thought, well, I can do that. I mean, not as well. I could probably do a less good version of that. Uh, I mean, that neatly avoids any copyright issues because uh, <laughs> if anyone says we're similar, I mean, that's a really flattering uh, compliment. Uh, now, he's been very supportive and has liked various things um, that I've done with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really fantastic, um, if I do say so myself, uh, setup. The problem with it is... <laughs> And I feel bad because I know Piotr has raised the bar with mm. tech. So I am in no position to complain about any tech considering the amount of stuff he does in robotics and in, in uh, human machine. Um, but the stress of getting a projector, making the projector connect to the laptop. Um, every single show we did, I think we did about six or seven, about half an hour uh, before the show, I would have a complete meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so relaxing just before a show. <laughs> um, there was a time when we played Lady G and Friends at the library, yeah. um, and I we couldn't get it to work. I had brought every cable I thought existed. I didn't have the right cable, so I thought, no, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go for a walk and have calmed down because ultimately it doesn't matter. It was a format that I cared about so passionately that I wanted it to work so much. But I thought I'll go for a walk calm down doesn't matter so I, I walk two shops and then there's a shop it's a phone shop it has the right cable I come back and it's like bang put it all together and it works oh, and it's brilliant. Um, so what we do is I play a bit of music and secretly I got into improv for the DJing opportunities <laughs> uh, I mean it was the opportunity to play um, not my choice in music exactly not my taste in music my choice in music which overlaps with other people a bit so I'd play some music, um, the, the back wall would be black and then a projection would come up. So people would sometimes take it literally and use it as a, as a background. Sometimes it was a more obscure image um, and they would use it as inspiration. Um, and then we'd, we'd have a scene and then I'd black it out and then we'd have another scene. Uh -huh. And I ran it as a jam a couple of times that night at Lady G's. Um, I ran it as a jam and I had a picture which was underneath a pier. So we had a couple of people performing a two-person scene underneath the pier. And then everybody else that was in the jam came on as this huge wave, this huge wave that just came over and, you know, swept over them and swept them away. And it was just a beautiful moment. Um, and I was thinking, I'm not sure we would have had that 
if we'd not had that particular stimulus. Mm. Um, I also ran it at the uh, Hoopla Marathon, and it was... Uh, and the ran- first one of which was last year, I think. Yes. yes? So, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and it felt uh, a, a sort of an edgy moment that it, this could all collapse and fall into chaos and not work, saying we had about 14 people on the stage at the same time. Um, but it all worked. Everyone worked together really well. Um, and it was just really, really exciting. Um, if it wasn't for the amount of stress that goes into setting it all up, getting it to work in different situations, I'd love to do more of it. So it's it's purely a tech thing yeah. that that makes it kind of problematic. But yeah. when the tech works, it's really rewarding. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has worked every time, uh, but just a lot of stress getting there. So, mm. you know, it's something I'd like to revisit uh, maybe when I when I make with all the millions I make from the Improv London podcast, I could you know plough a few thousand pounds back into buying my own equipment, so I could have my own projector. You know, if I had everything and I could just set it up rather than relying on the venues and things like that. You know, mm. I'd like to return to that or something similar to it at one point. But because you love the tech aspect of this, when it works, yes. Yeah. 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 I love the fact that it takes you to different places. It inspires people to do different things than they might normally do. Um, and I like that theatrical kind of, you know, the use of light and the use of sound and, you know, making it more of a sort of theatrical, magical experience. Right, right. Well, I mean, this is uh, exciting for you in that case then because we have the nursery theatre and we have Hoopla upstairs um, at the Miller now who both are dedicated uh, improv theatres. And so do you run tech for them? In that capacity as well, Eva. I um, think you've done that a bit for Hoopla, have you? Yes, yes. Uh, I've or? done that, yes. I've done uh, many, many launch pads. Um, you see, I'm not always comfortable in a social situation. I like to have a defined role of an evening. <laughs> yes. Uh, a defined role such as recording a podcast, um, I'm very much <laughs> more comfortable than I would be. I think I'd be fine having a conversation with you two because I know you both reasonably well, but... Um, Having an established role I really like. So uh, doing the tech, I have a place to sit. I have a good view of the audience and, and the stage. Um, and also I can contribute to the show, but it's not quite as stressful as actually being in the show. Um, so I really enjoy that. And also I get to play my music beforehand, which is a very important part for me. Um, when you yeah. say your music, do you mean stuff that you've written or oh, tunes that you like? <laughs> wow. No, I, uh, I wish that were the case. No, I... I uh, no, this is this is this is just songs I've selected. Oh, no. okay. Because no, totally give me an idea. <laughs> I, yeah, do it. Why not? Because for DDG, I'm usually the person who plays their playlists oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. before the show and during the interval, yeah. and then sticks on a tune straight after the show is finished. Yeah. Um, I have my go-to's. What are yours? What's your favourite tunes? What do you know warms up an audience better than anything? <laughs> well, the delightful thing is that. It's unlike being a real DJ. If you're a real DJ and no one's dancing, then essentially you've failed. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's dancing while you're playing the music before an improv show, you've won. <laughs> but even if no one's dancing, then it's still fine. Uh, so I always try and play stuff that... Generally, there's a lot of 90s stuff. There's a lot of Backstreet Boys. There's a lot of... Uh, <laughs> uh, the Some S Club. Um, I'm just I'm trying to create a fun party hoopla atmosphere. Excellent, good, good. Okay, um, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to have your general round for your Moses Mastermind, or would you like to have uh, another emergency question? 
Let's have the general knowledge round, please. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I presume you'll be queuing in the theme tune. Yeah, I'm going to queue it in now. Great. Da, 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 da. Oh, no. Stuart Moses, in the first round, you got eight points. You were the only contestant, so there's no score to beat. <laughs> but here is the general knowledge round. Do we have the clock? Yes, we have the clock. That's countdown. And that's the end. Oh, sorry. You answered no questions in the general knowledge round. That just like that. Time flies. Uh, I'm going to say Only Mark's going to say go. Who calls himself the Improv Journeyman? <laughs> improv Journeyman Mark Tyndall. What was the original name of C3? C36974X. C3467X and Mark Tyndall was correct. The Nursery Theatre runs its operations in two locations. Which areas are they based in London? So one is in London Bridge and one is in Broadgate. Correct. What did the initial CF stand for when naming a East London Improv Training Collective founded by Canadian native Alan Marriott? CF. You're allowed to pass. Pass. Crunchy Frog. Oh. Who holds Keith Johnston's theatre sports licence in London, uh, an improviser who's moved back here from Dubai? Uh, Faye Brown. Correct. Which improv school and theatre did Amy Poehler and Tina Fey meet? Second City. Correct. What is the name of the international improv network that Paul Z. Jackson founded? Is that the Improvisation Network? <laughs> Applied Improvisation. Sorry, Paul. Uh, which weekly London Improv Jam is named after birds and for an extra point, name the pub that it runs out of? Never heard of it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Goose, the extra social. Name one founder member of Showstopper the Improvised Musical. <laughs> Adam Megiddo. Correct. Which Chicago-style improv school is closest to Haggerston in East London? That would be the Free Association. Correct. Colleen Doyle and Jason Schotts are IO teachers who've played in London a few times as a duo. What is their two-prov name? Dummy. Correct. When performing in a duo, which opening or gets does US player David Rosowski most often employ? Um, he gets chairs and puts chairs down. Correct. That it? UK player Cryad Lloyd has a podcast... UK A player Carrie Lloyd also has a podcast, but it isn't about improvisation. What is the subject matter? It's the grief cast. Correct. The BIT Improv Theatre is based in which UK city? Bristol. And for an extra point, what did the building used to be? A bank. A Polish ex-serviceman's club. That was going to be my second choice. <laughs> what is unique about improvisation format invented <laughs> by Chicago... <laughs> I'll start it so I finish. What is unique about the improvisation format invented by Chicago improviser Joe Bill called the BAT? Done in the dark. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Crunchy Frog. Crunchy Frog's a brilliant resource. I use that website a lot. I feel really embarrassed that I didn't get that. Oh, don't worry. Alan won't mind. Um... <laughs> I'm not that important to me. <laughs> um, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, while Brendan just tots up your scores there, <laughs> crucial scores, I'm going to give you an emergency question. <laughs> um, this one is from Katie Shoot. Hello, she... Katie. She asks, uh, uh, can you list your Desert Island Disc shows? Your Desert Island Disc shows. Well, of improv shows. That yeah, I would, like I, would to... I would say that you would, that you would definitely sort of like to watch again or that, that you would have uh, come visit you on your Desert Island. If we're going to do it properly, you're allowed eight, but you have to be quick. Okay. Well, I would like Project Two to... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. 
Oh no, this is really hard because this is like this isn't my, who I think the eight best are. That's really hard. I'm no, not going to choose difficult. the eight best groups. Um, I will. Well, okay. Showstoppers. Showstoppers are everything that I would like to be, oh, yes. um, and I never will. But that's fine because I'm having fun working that direction. Uh, can I just can I interrupt you in that point? Yes. Uh, and just ask you: Do you still do musical improv? Yes. Do you? Fantastic. Can you just tell us who your team is or how you are um, playing with that? Well, I say I do it. I'm not in a musical team at the moment. I would really like to be. I am. Because uh, you were previously, weren't you? What was yeah. the name of that team? Uh, so I was in the Verbs. The Verbs have become a musical ah, improv The team. Verbs have become a musical yes. improv yes. Of course, yes. Uh, but prior to that, I'm sure that you were in something else. I can't remember what the name of it was, but um, it's, not a, it's, it's not urgent. Not a musical one, I don't think I did I've done lots of showstoppers um courses mm, okay. I've done various things with Hoopla um oh perhaps that was it maybe that's it so yeah so uh so uh in what direction are you moving with musical improv in that case um I would like to do more mm. ideally I would do um a duo uh musical um I uh this is hot news. Uh, Catherine Murray-Clark and I are going to be forming a duo group. I haven't asked her how she feels about singing yet. Ooh. I feel this is the appropriate time <laughs> to ask her how she feels about singing. Cat, how do, you, how do you feel about singing? Just let me know. Again, yeah. one level removed. Don't do it in their face. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. Do, it. Just do it on a podcast. <laughs> that's fine. I probably will have asked her by the time this goes out, so that's fine. This won't be a surprise then. <laughs> um, so I need to name six other groups that I would like to see. Well, do you know what? I think it, I think you're right about it p potentially being a kind of um, favoritism <laughs> thing. We don't want that. Um, okay, so I had a question for you. Go I had actually prepared a question, guys. Um, you totally it see. Is, it is um, okay. So in the UK women's improv community, um, uh, <laughs> this might be a secret that I'm divulging to the wider world here. I don't know if we're supposed to keep it secret. Sorry, guys, if we are. But we have a mentoring system. Oh. where uh, we get to choose a mentor and and then we can check in with them on a regular basis. It's a really lovely uh, idea. It's a really lovely idea and it works extremely well. Um, uh, it's been going for quite a few months now. Um, who would your improv mentor be? And if that's too personal or too difficult to answer immediately, um, just name me someone that, that whose work you kind of admire that you'd like to emulate or that you just go oh my god I'm so happy because blah blah's on tonight and I'm gonna go and see them oh um oh there are so many I'm gonna have to say Pippa Evans showstoppers yeah because constantly amazes me all all the showstoppers are great but she's just fantastic and I went up to the Birmingham uh, Improv uh, Festival uh, last year and um, saw her perform with Ruth Bratt and Lon Shearing, who were also amazing. Um, but just, they did, they did a musical set in Ikea, which <laughs> I suggest they probably get quite a mm. lot, but they made it seem like it was the first time that they yes. had ever performed a musical at Ikea. And there was this one moment where the three of them were looking up because it's a, a raised audience. Is that right? raked audience mm. yeah. Yeah, so they were looking up to the top at the back um, and you know they were singing about the the um, creator of Ikea I can't remember what his name was and 
uh, Pippa just walked up the stairs and then came down as this creator of Ikea. And it was just, oh, it was just amazing. Fantastic. Wonderful. Um, okay, well, that leads me on to... Uh, because that's a moment that you've that you've seen as an audience member, and I mm. love that, and we all have those special moments. Um, could you give me a moment uh, where you've been on stage and, and, and never more happy, or that you, you remember a move that you made that just just made the whole evening for you? Um, so, oh, I mean, there's, there's just so many, so many to choose from. <laughs> uh, none of which are really coming to mind. Um, no, there's, there's, there's been lots. Um, I, when I did a Showstoppers uh, showcase, we had uh, three options. Uh, one was going to be the moon. One was going to be the White House. And one was going to be the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm totally on board for the moon. That's exactly within my wheelhouse. I can do that. <laughs> I don't want to do the White House at any point, but especially not now. Bake Off would be alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never watched it, but sort of absorbed it through cultural osmosis. Anyway, we got Bake Off as the uh, the uh, the suggestion, and I led the chorus during the uh, opening number. But then there were about two or three scenes in which I wasn't in. Just you know the way these things happened, and I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not really going to be in this. <laughs> That'd be sad, but you know, fine. Um, and then Andrew Pugsley brought me on as the antagonist, as the the evil um, Paul Hollywood character. Mm. And I don't even know what he's like, but I imagined him a bit more like Simon Cowell. Um, and so they basically sang this whole song about me, and I just got to walk up and down the stage looking mean. Excellent. Um, and a lot of that show was me just being really horrible to people, um, <laughs> which is not my default move. It's not my signature move, uh, either in real life or, or in improvisation. Uh, so that was a really delightful thing to do. And I got to sing an origin song of why it ended up that way. Oh, interesting. So I yes. got to sing a song about how, you know, my mum only used to make me a cake on my birthday and then on my 12th birthday she left and never came back. <laughs> That's excellent. And it was really nice because I got to sing a kind of a softer song. Sometimes I, I neglect that side. Um, and it just, it worked within the format of the story. So it was one of my favourite moments. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, well, we haven't got much more time, I'm afraid. I think we should make this a double episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to do that. I really don't this think is really fun. Um, <laughs> Um, I do have a question uh, from uh, Arfie Mansfield, Hello, who Arfie. wrote to us on Facebook to say, "What have you got out of the past ninety-nine episodes? What do you feel? What, what's your what's your arc been? Because this has been quite an incredible journey. You are you're 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 a legend. You know, <laughs> improv famous. You are, improv. you are yeah, like improv hot. You're improv famous." <laughs> Hot within certain parameters. Yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. Hello, Afi. Um, so, I started the podcast because I wanted to become a better improviser. 
not sure it's made me a better improviser. It's made me a better podcaster. Uh, <laughs> and that's still a useful <laughs> skill in 2018. Um, yes. And it was always the conversation that was important to me. Um, the sharing it afterwards was less important. I mean, it's a strange world that we live in that I feel more comfortable saying to somebody, can we get together and record for an hour? I'm going to record our conversation and I'm going to share it on the internet. And somehow that's more permissible, more acceptable than just me saying, oh, hi, we both like improv. Can we just have a chat about improv? What a world we live in today. <laughs> um, so um, it's really, as I said, don't always feel comfortable in social situations. So this has enabled me to meet people that I perhaps would not have felt uh, able to meet ordinarily. Mm. Um, and it's also... Yeah, when I went to Birmingham last summer, I had the most amazing time. Everyone was really lovely, and I'm sure they would have been really lovely anyway, but the fact that I'd talked to them in this way mm. really helped me feel a, a connection with people in the same way that improvising with them also helps me um, uh, create a connection. So, yeah, it's, it's, really helped me, um, it's really helped me feel more connected to people. Um, and I like to think it's contributed to the improv scene. I really... I'm passionate about the improv scene everywhere, especially in London. And I like to think that in some way this has helped people share knowledge, find out about other people and things like that. So, you know, I hope it has. I think 100% it has. And I think that it's wonderful that you know, we've got to the 100th episode. This is fantastic. Uh, we have so much laid down for posterity. There are so many um, people that we all know or that we're interested in, in finding out about, um, that we can just listen to so easily. Um, do you feel like it's going to continue for another 100 episodes? I am always aware that I want the podcast to serve me rather than me to serve the podcast. Ah. And if at any point it starts to feel like a chore, I'll stop. I always say stop. I'll probably take a break. Um, okay, because at episode 73, okay. you said to me that this, uh, after we'd finished, that this might well be the last one that you did for a while. And I think that even then, I talked about you being the 100th guest and how, how, how fun that would be and what a lovely moment that would be. And you said, oh, I don't, I don't think it's going to be going <laughs> to that well, point. Very much a treat and mean keep them keen you, know. <laughs> you don't appreciate what you've had until you've lost it so uh, you know just don't take me for granted is what I'm saying oh, don't take the podcast for granted that's what I meant to say um, <laughs> I, um, Jules Mums to invoke him again you know a couple of years ago we might not have had a hundred people to interview but now we do and I've far from spoken to everybody that I'd like to speak to absolutely the scene has changed exponentially yes. is that the right word yes uh, you know Beyond all measure here in London, it's very exciting. I yes. feel like we've got a completely different animal on our hands now than when you did episode one. Um, so I just want to ask you, is there, a, is there any question that you feel like you would have liked to have been asked that you haven't been asked? I feel we should do all the questions you've been given. <laughs> Double episode, double episode. Up because it's Brendan good. and I on our laps have eight to nine pieces of paper. Yeah, uh, I mean, some of them are quiz questions. Covered, but we didn't finish, we didn't even finish the quiz, did we? Let's so, do them all. 
We'll do them all. We'll do them all. Um, Jonah Faisal, episode 72, asked, Hello, Jonah. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> that is going to take more time than we have. <laughs> I mean, I'm more than happy to do that podcast. I often <laughs> threaten to do a podcast which is just me talking about myself, probably recorded at four o'clock in the morning, uh, that will just be a cry for help. Well, in it? that case, maybe you can answer Carlene McDermott's question. Hello, episodes eight and 46. She, uh, she asks you, um, well, it's not, even a, it's not even a question. She says, lying down in scenes. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> Perhaps you could tell us what that means. Uh, uh, well, I'm uh, not as young as I used to be. And I'm aware I have a finite amount of energy. Uh, <laughs> so I seek ways in which to conserve that energy. So I'm really... The only time I'm happier than when I'm sitting down is when I'm lying down. Um, and, I mean, all that is true. I said that flippantly. It is all true. Uh, but also I'm trying to bring variety to the stage. So if I've had a lot of people standing and sitting, having someone lying down, it's, it's a, different, a bit of variety of the stage picture. Yes. That's more of a justification of the event. It's mainly that I'm <laughs> usually quite tired. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Luca Galantini oh, asks Luca. you... Uh, do you know Luca? I do know Luca. I know Luca too. He's great. He's great. Uh, uh, he says, um, he asks you, in your opinion, is there anything that the improv community would benefit from? Yes. Greater audiences, both in size and in quantity. I mean, greater audiences, both in quality and in quantity. And what do you mean by that in terms of both of those stipulations? Um, I would like there to be more people interested in watching improv than in performing it. Ah, okay. So you're talking about drawing in civilians, which we haven't quite yet. I mean, some of the bigger acts, obviously, yeah. can do that without blinking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, on, on, on a certain level, uh, that's not always the case yet. It's usually friends or friends of friends of friends. Or yes, which is lovely. Who have done a course, perhaps. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's all great, and I love that. But it would be nice to be showstoppers or ostentatious, to be more groups at that sort of level mm. that I can talk to my parents about and go, look, they're in the West End, mm. this is what I do. This isn't quite what I do. They do it much better, but this is the sort of field <laughs> that I'm vaguely in. But I feel as though that's going to happen, don't you? I hope so. I mean, that's purely just a matter of time, considering the arc that we've taken so far since episode one in terms of the London Improv team. Yeah, and it's all about persistence. It is indeed. Both for the podcast and the improv scene. Let's just keep going. Absolutely. Because it's going to happen eventually. Well, look, absolutely. And we do want to keep going, but we're not going to keep going, Stuart. No. We're going to ask you one more question. And uh, it's before the... that, can I do the scores? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Brendan, please do the scores. You're yes. like me and Anal. You will have been waiting intently for the scores. Going <laughs> I hope they didn't cut this or forget this. Uh... <laughs> oh. uh... Brendan Brendanson, everybody. Yes, um... You don't need to do the theme. Uh, <laughs> in the specialist subject, you got eight points. In the general knowledge, you got 13 points. You end the show with 21 points. Yay. I think that's probably encouraging that I know more about other people than I do about myself. It's a sign of success for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, so, big final question. Oh, I do have a final Stuart. question. Uh, what is your signature move? <laughs> So, 
I've developed a new signature move that I've noticed myself doing recently. <laughs> and you're aware of Martin Freeman, uh, Tim out of the office. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to say, I don't think he's an amazing actor. I think he's always Martin Freeman in whatever he does. Even when he's wearing pyjamas and a dressing gown. Yeah. As even, Arthur Dent. Yeah, even when he's um, doing an American accent in Black Panther. This is fine. He's an amazing success. He's done what he does really well. But he does that, he does a sort of a face. He sort of goes... Okay. And I, I, Please then, describe that for the podcast. It's sort of like, oh. If the face was a, a noise, it'd be... Uh, is it quizzical in a meta sense? So yes. it's kind of like it's 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 pulling himself out of the whole thing and saying to the audience, mm, "What's happening?" Well, rather than being in character anymore, it's um, it's certainly when I do it, that's exactly what it is. Um, and I've noticed that sometimes I will do this um, because it gets an extra laugh from the audience. If someone else says something and I don't think they've quite got you know, the reaction they should have got, sometimes I'll pull that face and I'll just sort of emphasise that line again by pulling that face and sometimes it gets a laugh. And there's a light, silent snort through the nose. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, as you do it hmm. in the Freeman fashion. Yes. Uh, sorry, Martin. I mean, he doesn't care. But... He doesn't care. But he's, I've, I've... he's the guest for 101. <laughs> <laughs> I've copied from you and I, I've also said I think you're being yourself in... He's playing with a light veil. That's fine. Most actors are. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much indeed. I think we're, we've come to a close. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. That's improv. I made this. It's the wrong order. It's the wrong order. I made this. That's improv. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>